0: San Francisco, the SYSK treat.
1: <laughs> yes, San Francisco, Oakland, the entire Bay Area, and dare I say, all of Silicon Valley. Yeah, we love you, and we're coming back to Sketchfest this year in January.
0: Yeah, we're going to be there on Sunday, January fifteenth at one p.m. A very rare afternoon show. Yeah. Uh, And we will be ready to go. So you guys better be drunk from the night before or getting drunk for that (laughs) evening. Yeah. However, it crosses (laughs) over.
1: I think it'll be proof positive that uh, we endorse afternoon drinking. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Oh, you know, a couple of drinks, maybe. Sure. Maybe Bloody Mary. What were we talking about?
0: Oh, yeah. We're promoting our show.
1: Oh, that's right. So we're doing that show on January 15th. Uh, You can go to the SF Sketchfest website to get tickets. And it's awesome. It's a great, great comedy festival. Lots of awesome shows that weekend yeah. and for the following weeks. Yeah. So I, I encourage you like to buy lots of tickets. Just buy ours first.
0: Yeah. And hurry, hurry, because they're selling out fast. No joke. That's not a ploy. That's not a, a marketing ploy. No. They're really selling fast.
1: We get emails every time. Guys, you told me to hurry. I didn't hurry. Yeah. I'm shut out.
0: And since this uh, promo's petered out, it ends right now.
1: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Jerry's not here, but we are in beautiful London, England, at Union Chapel. Woo-hoo! Not bad. It's not bad. I have a good feeling about this.
1: Stop! you the Thank man. Thank you, guys.
0: That was the S word. For those of you at home just tuning in, you have no idea what we're talking about. Boy, the acoustics in this room. It's great. It's almost like they built it for that reason. <laughs> we should have done this from up there now
1: that I think about no, it. No, I don't think so. I worked out a deal... Say what? No, no, don't respond.)
0: <laughs> Please come up here and tell the crowd what you just said. so we're uh, we're doing a podcast. We like to start it out, get you all laughing, and then bring you down. And that's what we're going to do right now, because we're talking about <laughs> grave robbing tonight. Yeah.
1: There's a long, rich history in this country, actually.
0: There really is. As you'll see. Yeah. You probably already know this. Yeah, you guys were probably taught this from, like, third grade on. <laughs> or year three. Yeah? I don't know. We're from America. I think Germany's landlocked, for God's sake. <laughs> so there's... We did a lot of research on this show. Um, and we found that, actually, grave robbing is this huge, huge... Huge amorphous topic. Like the Egyptians were really big into into burying people with these elaborate graves, and then they were equally into breaking in and robbing those graves. Right? Um, the field of archaeology is basically grave robbing in academia. <laughs> There's this really really great um, video that I really strongly want to recommend to anybody who has a an, dark- an interest in grave robbing. <laughs> that? Yes, yeah, sure. Okay, but. Alternately, if you have a very dark sense of humor you will love grave robbing for morons <laughs> it's this weird bootleg video from like the 80s maybe 90s where this very disturbing young man is explaining how to extort money from people by robbing their family's graves <laughs> and he holds up jawbones and stuff while he's doing it it's just right when you leave here go watch grave robbing for morons but we realize like this is too unwieldy this is like a five hour show it's not. They may, they may sit there for five hours, but by God, they're going to be really unhappy after an hour or two. So we decided we were going to whittle it down to two hours. And it was kind of easy because it turns out that there has never been a period in human history where a dead body has had more monetary value and hence more likely to be dug up from a fresh grave than in the late 18th and early 19th century In the Isles and in America. And I like to call it the Golden Age of Grave Robbing.
1: (laughs) Josh did this research and he put this together and he actually capitalized that. So I thought it was really called the Golden Age of Grave Robbing. He fooled me. I said, well, that's remarkable. I didn't know you could have a Golden Age of something terrible. But I'll go with it. And he said, no, I just capitalized it. Yeah. Well, if you capitalize it, it legitimizes it for sure. Exactly. I bought it. So uh, we're going to go back in time. We're going to all get in the Wayback Machine. <laughs> Which is the stone edifice right here. <laughs>
0: Everyone file in. There's plenty of room, believe me. <laughs> Lots of room in the other dimension this leads to.
1: So uh, we're going to go back to uh, the mid-16th century and pretty much anything before that uh, to what, I don't know what they called it back then. It wasn't called um, medicine or practicing medicine, or being a doctor. Uh, in fact, I don't even think they had the word doctor yet, did they? Or did they? No. No. <laughs> they were uh, barbers and surgeons. Yeah. Surgeons stuck. Barbers did not, uh, for obvious reasons. Well, barbers stuck. Yeah, there's but, still barbers around. Yeah, but just not in if, the way that you think of.
0: <laughs> if your barber's cutting you open, he's
1: not doing his job yeah. very well.
0: <laughs>
1: and uh, apothecaries and witches. And that's who was practicing early medicine. And uh things were going pretty well for a while they figured out that the human body ran on the four humors and they were wrong because the four humors are blood as we all know Well that's right
0: like that was pretty pretty
1: sharp of them back then not too bad uh phlegm <laughs> it is a thing we can all agree uh and then the two biles uh, yellow bile and black bile and that was it that was the human body you had the four humors and that's how all this stuff worked out
0: well that, that, and they figured out that the kidneys made pee. Right. <laughs> and they were like, it was actually this guy named Galen, he was working in the first century CE, and he figured all this out and said, job well done, this is human anatomy. And for 1400 years, they said, we don't need to go back and double check his work, let's just take his word for it, this is how the human body works. And then finally, one day somebody was like, I'm not sure this is correct. Sure, maybe the kidneys make pee, and maybe blood is kind of important, but black bile, I don't even know what that is. I think we need to cut open more people. And they looked around, and they said, "Who's who are the people who should be doing this? Who should we entrust cutting open dead bodies to? And they said, barber surgeons, you guys amputate people without any
1: sort of anesthesia?
0: We should probably let you do it.
1: Uh Yeah, because if you want to know how this works, you need to open it up and see what's in there. Mm-hmm. Kind of like just lifting the bonnet or the boot? Bonnet. Well, what the hell is the boot? I think the boot's the trunk. Yeah, we got that wrong in our big uh tour announcement. Remember that? Oh, that's not surprising. Yeah. I've said a few other words on the podcast that mean something different here. All apologies. Oh, yeah. That Trust was... me, I get the emails. I understand these words mean that. something different. Now. No offense. Uh, so they realized you needed to peek under the hood, as we would say in the States, and see what's yeah, going let's, on. Let's just stick to that. Yeah. Let's stick to what we know. <laughs> uh, so eventually they were doing this a little bit, and they realized they needed more bodies if they were really going to advance medicine and learn things. And so uh, in 1540, there was a king. You might have heard of called Henry VIII. Or Very v- famous dude. V I I, and he said, "Here's what I'll do. I'm going to grant the monopoly on uh, cadavers, on bodies, to the barbers and surgeons." And they said, "Oh my gosh, that's great! Thank you so much. Uh-huh. How many do we get a year? Four. Four.
0: Four. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Four bodies
1: <laughs> a year." I don't know if that's going to do it, but thanks. It was a pretty good start, and, um, but it clearly wasn't nearly enough. And these early dissections amounted to not much more than just kind of opening the body up and looking to see what was in there and lifting organs out and showing people.
0: Because they'd all learned Galen.
1: Yeah, pretty much. So,
0: like, the dissections amounted to this.
1: Yeah. LAUGHTER <laughs> What was that, the appendix? Uh, appendix. Oh, okay. You call it, buddy. And then they get to the intestines and they're like, this is like magic. It's never ending. <laughs> it just keeps coming. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was a little bit just like, uh, early surgical theater. They would display these organs and no one really knew how, how things worked back then. It was pretty clear that you needed more bodies if we were going to get anywhere. Everyone wanted to live longer and they knew, a few people knew that this was kind of the way to do it. Right. So
0: they were like, who do we hate? Who do we hate? Murderers, everybody hates murderers. And King George III, another king, King George III, he said, I'm going to pass this thing called the Murder Act. And uh, the Murder Act basically said, if you were convicted of murder, not only were you going to be hung, but we're going to die hanged. Di- hanged. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, two different meanings. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> If you get to be hung, we're going to dissect you after you're dead. Because I'm not. I'm George III. Third. Uh, <laughs> is that a fact? No, 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 no. Oh, okay, I just made that up as I do from time to time. Again, I said Germany is landlocked. You know, Donald Trump has small hands. Apparently so. Apparently it's been recently proven. Somebody figured out to go to Madame Tussaud's Wax museum and measure the hands because apparently the whole thing's anatomy, oh really, anatomically accurate, yeah. Oh wow, small hands. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh yeah, I just realized how we got on that. So you would be hanged (laughs) if you were convicted of murder, and then after that they would dissect you as like an additional, like we hate you that much. That's how that's how despicable we find you. So it it really kind of opened the the floodgates of the bodies a little more Sure, we're talking like 30-40 more bodies and we found out actually in researching this that you could during certain periods of time you could say I don't want to be executed send me to America instead when you were convicted of murder and we're like wait 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 I I thought Australia was a penal colony (laughs) no apparently both were did you guys know that? No? Okay, good. Because I was going to say, they don't teach us that in America. There's all sorts of like rebellion, and we're not paying taxes, and you're crazy. We don't like you. You're not hung, King, and all that stuff. That's what they teach us.
1: We're, we're in a church. <laughs> Send me to the coast of California for my punishment.
0: What exactly. You got any suntan lotion? So, uh,
1: eventually things were progressing a little bit medically, and uh, they actually started founding... Uh, medical schools, the first medical schools rose out of the hospitals. They dropped the barbers. The surgeon said, I think the word surgeon is going to be the one that people are going to uh, think is legit. So barbers, you just go cut your hair and maybe do a little bleeding on the side for a little while. And, uh, we're going to found these medical schools and these students, um, were expected to show up with bodies. Um, I don't know how they do it in university over here when you start school if you have to buy your books. Uh, in the United States, you have to buy your books each semester. Um, but back then, it was BYOB in medical school. <laughs> and you had to show up with your own body. And there was a weird loophole at the time uh, in English law where it was not actually illegal to steal a body. Grave robbing had been going on for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't for the bodies. It was for jewels or any kind of valuables that the humans were buried with, and which happened all the time. You know, because people would, like, most, like, the, the treasures of the family would be buried with the body a lot of times. And other people wanted those treasures. Exactly. So they would steal those, but now for the first time, bodies were valuable. But there was this loophole, as long as you returned the valuables, you could actually steal the body, and technically, technically, it wasn't illegal.
0: Because the body couldn't own itself, it wasn't property. Exactly. So therefore, it couldn't be stolen. So if you were caught with just the body, and it was totally naked, and its clothes were back in the grave, they'd kind of be like, hey, no law broken.
1: (laughs) Students didn't quite dig this, though. They were like, you know, one day this is going to be a respectable profession to be a surgeon. And I know there's a loophole, but something about this doesn't feel quite right. It makes me fainty. (laughs) Fainty? Fainty.
0: Um the problem was is that all these students there were more and more students being attracted to the profession of surgery and of anatomy and studying this kind of stuff so the more students that came the more bodies were needed because back then there was no embalming there was no refrigeration and so after a very short period of time a body would get gamey right (laughs) so you'd come in one day with your saw and you'd go to saw it and like always and your arm would just keep going And you'd say, I need another body.
1: And there were no more bodies. No. They'd say,
0: go dig it up. (laughs) And then you would say, I'm fainty. And they'd say, fine. (laughs) Who else can we get to do this? Criminals. (laughs) Criminals would love to fulfill this. We have a black market that's establishing itself before our very eyes. Why not get criminals to steal the bodies and we'll give them money for it? And that is how this whole thing erupted in the late 18th century and early 19th century. This weird convergence of scientific inquiry, social mores against the idea of dissection, and a lot of organized criminals that were like, sure, we'll, we'll dig up your dead bodies and sell them to you for money.
1: And it all happened right here in London. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> So uh, the, one of the first gangs that emerged was called the London Borough Gang. Borough Gang. We We've were been sh- instructed how to say this. Yeah, we were been saying borough like dumb Americans. And our lighting guy last night said, fellas, come over here. And he said it with a great accent, but I'm not going to try and do he it. He pulled Chuck's beard. <laughs> he has a great beard, too. So we rub beards together. <laughs> and it's it spelled borough. <laughs> <laughs> it did. So the London Borough Gang... Was operating right here, and there was uh, a man who started this gang named Ben Crouch. Any Crouches in the audience?
0: That's probably good. No,
1: no Crouches. No one's going to admit it, at least. And he worked uh, at Guy's Hospital, and I was right next to that today, by the way. Oh, yeah? Did you dig around anywhere? No, I didn't realize it. Emily and I were just walking along, and I looked up, and there was Guy's Hospital. That's neat. And I say, I know what used to happen here many years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, great things. Sure, sure. But this one dude, he was kind of a rat. He, uh, he worked at a guy's hospital and he had met some buddies, uh, in the peninsular wars fighting Napoleon and what they were really good at in, on the battlefield was, um, ravaging bodies and like pulling out gold teeth and fillings and kind of just robbing these bodies. And he said, I think I can take this back home, fellas, and we can get a gang together and we can really make good use of all this stuff. So he got his buddies and, uh, they kind of, Found their go-to graveyards, and he was, for a grave robber, a pretty underhanded dude, <laughs> which is super, super underhanded. Yeah, believe it or not, but he was good at it. He would find out what graves were, um, like other grave uh, robbers were robbing, and he would go to them, and he would desecrate the graves and basically draw a lot of attention to those graveyards, so they wouldn't be able to operate in those graves. Right. So, he was, he was trying to just kind of keep the cottage industry in-house. Right,
0: exactly. Yeah. And he was really good at it. He actually came to be known as the Corpse King. And he would even make his wife call him that. <laughs> he'd be like, don't you mean, do you want shepherd's pie for dinner tonight, Corpse King? <laughs> and she'd be like, yes, that's
1: what I meant. And he'd say, Yes. <laughs> So uh, Ben Crouch was so good at what he did That was good uh, He was so good at what he did That he actually was able to retire A wealthy man from grave robbing uh, But that was not the end of the Burra gang uh, He passed the reins on to one Patrick Murphy Any Murphys? Oh you should have heard it in Dublin <laughs> There's one Murphy here, come on He's like Nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah they're all over Dublin uh, so Murphy was even a bigger uh, creep. He would do things like, uh, he had a bunch of like underhanded things he would do. He would, let's say, sell a body to a hospital and then go back in and break in and steal that body from that hospital that night and then sell it to another hospital the next day before it had a chance to be dissected.
0: Underhanded. He was
1: very underhanded.
0: Um, he also would keep surgeons in line, right? Like, um, he found out that some surgeon had bought, like, a bunch of bodies for some students, and he and his gang broke into the to the anatomy school that night and mutilated the bodies so they would be unusable, which <laughs> is not cool. Uh, and then there was this one anatomist who, I, I've never gotten to the bottom of why did they didn't like this guy, but they didn't. They once delivered a body to the guy that he had ordered, and it was delivered naked in a sack as they customarily were because you couldn't steal anything from the grave um, and the guy put the body on the, on the slab and the anatomist came over and was about to cut into him and the body sat bolt upright it turned out it, it was just a man that the gang had knocked unconscious and delivered and sold to this guy and apparently he ran out of the house naked scared to death down the street
1: I'm not dead yet
0: right You will be soon I'm feeling much better
1: That's two Monty Python references I'm going to go for Three Careful
0: enough to dinner mint sir That was was
1: Meaning of Life
0: right? Oh okay The big guy at the restaurant And then he he eats the mint and blows up And his rib cage is left Classic Well that's three Let's try and work in five Okay Five Can someone be in charge officially of
1: counting? (laughs) Python references. Um, this was happening all over the UK, by the way, and it was also happening right in our own United States. And in fact, it was happening in our very home state of Georgia, uh, in Augusta, at the Medical College of Georgia, which is still there today. And there was, uh, there was a man, well, I was about to say working there, he was a slave, uh, and he was owned by the Medical College of Georgia. It's all very sad. He, he was a slave owned by the medical school, and he, it was illegal to teach a slave to read at the time which is even more sad. Uh, but they taught Grandison Harris to read because they wanted him to keep up with the obituaries because he was really good at digging up graves and uh, bringing in cadavers yeah. and keeping them in good supply. This guy had a
0: knack for it, as a matter of fact.
1: Yeah, and this um, kind of points out a thread that you'll see running through this whole history that as long as bodies were being stolen from minority graveyards yards and uh, marginalized people or mentally ill, like mental hospitals, the white establishment didn't much care. So only when things started happening uh, in the white communities did people really start to get upset. And you'll you'll see that a little later. Yeah. But this is definitely what was going on with Grandison Harris. Right.
0: So everybody, if you'll reach under your pew, you'll find a little pad of paper and a pen because this is the part where we teach you how to rob a grave. <laughs> there is no pad of paper, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you get a pad. You get a pad. Was that Oprah? That mm-hmm. was a, it. Was a half-hearted Oprah, but it yeah, it was Oprah. Well,
1: you don't want to go full Oprah. No, it gets loud. That's embarrassing. Unless you're Oprah. Uh, <laughs> so here's how you do it. Typically, this happens um, at night, and you would think, "Duh, of course." But um, there was a member of the Burra Gang named Tom Light, who wasn't the, the sharpest knife in the drawer and he was actually arrested in broad daylight walking through London with a cart full of dead bodies and the cops came up and said, you know, this is highly illegal. Tom Light's like, oi, can't you see they're naked? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't steal any jewels. So, you go at night. You use a wooden shovel, because a metal shovel against rock will make noise. And your whole job there is to be really quiet so you can get away with this. So you got your wooden shovel, you're there at night, and... I didn't know before we researched this that I just figured you just dug up the whole grave and raised the casket and pulled out the body. That's a lot of work.
0: No, you want to work smarter,
1: not harder. Exactly. So you would just dig that first third, you would find the headstone, which ideally is where the head of the body is, unless your family has a weird sense of humor. And you you would dig down that first third only, and you would dig down, dig down until you reach the casket, And you would expose the casket, and you would pry that up and snap the lid off of that first third, because all the dirt is on the lower two-thirds. And then there's this. (laughs) Or 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 this. this. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think the eyes are open. If
0: they were alive when they were buried, they (laughs) were... (laughs) I've seen movies,
1: you do like that, and then the eyes close.
0: Unless you bury them while they're alive.
1: (laughs) So the body's there... Why are the arms like this? I don't know. I'm not sure how they do it. What did you do? That's not it, it, bad. It's like they were happy or something. Right. Either way, they would run a rope under the body, under the arms, and they would just pull the body out to the upper third, and then you've got your body. You would, um, I imagine they stole valuables. I mean, come on. I know there was a loophole, but if there were valuables, they probably took them.
0: But the thing was, if they were caught stealing the valuables, they would be hanged. Hanged. Um, If they were caught with the body, no, they wouldn't be. That's right.
1: So they would strip the body down, put it in a sack, put everything back in the grave, and rebury it as best they could so no one would ever know they were there. That is ideally how it would go down.
0: And our buddy Grandison Harris actually was supposedly so good at this that he would memorize the floral arrangements before he desecrated the grave so that when he reburied it, he could remember exactly what it looked like when he put it all back together. Because if you were a decent resurrectionist... Which is what they call these guys And now that I say decent That's probably not the best word If you were good at what you did As a resurrectionist um, The whole point was Is that no one would ever know That you'd broken into this grave
1: Yeah And we're saying guys a lot We try to keep things in our show Like say men and women But let's be honest Women were always way more decent They wouldn't do something like this Even back then Like they're doing it now (laughs) I just realized when I said that How that sounded uh, most most grave robbers these days are women. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since the 70s. Come a long way, baby. So, uh, was that ad? Uh, never mind. Um, here's what also happened. Uh, people were stealing bodies out of graves, but it was a lot of work. So some uh, enterprising dude said, here's what we'll do. Let's just forget the graveyards and let's just find out when people have died. They kind of live out in the sticks in rural areas. And uh, we'll just go pretend to be a family member, and they're really poor, and they won't know. And we'll say, we'll take care of the body for you. And they would just take the body right away from the family, and then that's it. They would have the body, no muss, no fuss.
0: Right, and somebody would be like, who is that that took the body? I don't care. They took the body. (laughs) I don't have to bury the body, so do you care? No, I don't care. Well, I don't care either. Then shut up. (laughs) That's how those conversations went. Yeah, we found actual texts you could you could also go into um, the hospitals, the big hospitals, like guys in London City Hospital had like their own graveyard, so indigent patients who died there would just be buried there free of charge and i 'm sure the grave robbers were like, "What are you doing because they would Break into these graveyards that were very largely unpatrolled and they would dig up the body and then go sell the body to a different hospital. So the body would be a patient one day, die, be buried, be dug up, and then be sold into another hospital within 24 hours sometimes.
1: Yeah, but it, what that does do is underscores how they revered the body and they respected the dead body because you would think the hospital would just think, no one's claiming this body, I've got a cadaver on my hands can use this for medical research but no they would still bury the body which kind of was the tone of what was going on sure least. yeah so uh, this was i know uh murphy's contemporary uh, or predecessor at least retired wealthy mr crouch murphy himself at one point made 144 pounds in one day which is about ten thousand dollars in today's dollars by stealing 12 corpses in one i guess overnight period yeah which was amazing yeah And the London cops figured they had 200 grave robbers working in London alone, and 10 of those were full-time grave robbers. They were able to quit their other job, which was probably a big day in the household. (laughs) Honey, I have really big
0: news. You're going to be so proud. I can stop robbing orphans. I can just do grave robbing full-time.
1: Stand up, guys. So uh, this was going on way back then, obviously, but evidence of this we have found over the years kind of recently um, at the Medical College of Georgia. Well, here's the thing. If you go to renovate the basement of your really old hospital, just get ready for what you're going to find down there. It's not just a matter of tearing up the tile floors and ripping down the drywall. You start digging around in the basement of an old hospital, you're going to find some horrors going on. And they did this in 1989 at the Medical College of Georgia and found 10,000 bones just scattered in the basement of who knows who. And
0: so like at some point, the idea that surgery and anatomy was based on stolen bodies was lost to humanity, right? So when this kind of thing comes out, these days, everyone's like, "Oh, they're serial killers, serial killers." And then somebody who's actually studied history comes forward and says, "No, actually. I got some weird news about surgery and anatomy. They would steal the bodies, cut them open, and then just mass bury the bones. And Everyone would say, oh my god, that's crazy. And then they'd sit there for a second, and then they'd forget what they just heard, and go back to normal. And then <laughs> a few years later, somebody else would discover some bones somewhere else. Like on Craven Street, in the house where Ben Franklin, uh, rented for like 27 years, right?
1: Yeah, where is Craven Street? Is there
0: no longer a Craven <laughs> Street? We just assume, because you all live in this city, you know where Craven Street. <laughs> Is it not
1: around? Is there no more Craven Street? It's nice to check cross. Thank you, I thought they buried Craven Street. They've, well, they found
0: 15 people, the bones of 15 people, in this house on Craven Street that Ben Franklin rented. And, of course, everyone said, Ben Franklin was a serial killer. And the same guy came forward and was like, I told you this before. Um... <laughs> They used to dig up bodies, cut them open, basis of anatomy. I'm going back here.
1: Look at the bones. Monty Python reference. No? Someone? That's four. Nice. I don't know what that one was, but that was number four. That's from Holy Grail. What, what part? When uh, the rabbit in the cave, remember? And uh, he's talking about the rabbit with the huge pointy teeth. And he goes, look at the bones. That one? All right. I don't know if that's a legitimate
0: quote. Like, it may have been said in the movie, but... It's a quote for me. Like,
1: we say, neat, that's a quote. Yeah, that's true. Look at the bones. That's what i I thought that was a very funny line. <laughs> Not tonight. When, <laughs> it's terrible. But when I saw the movie back then, I thought it was great. When I saw that movie 19 times. So, uh, most recently, right here in London, in 2006, uh, at London Hospital... You might, this might have been on the news. They discovered 262 burials at London Hospital and 500 individuals in the yard there that were missing their skull caps, and they had basically skeletons that still had wires connecting themselves. It seems wrong. It like does. If you're going to steal
0: a body, articulate the skeleton, and then go to the trouble of reburying it, disarticulate
1: the skeleton. At the very least. Yeah, just clip the wires off at least. That's a t-shirt. <laughs> That's not a good teacher. But that's 262 burials and 500 bodies. You do the math. Not everyone has their own plot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: hey? one quick nudge, nudge. so Five. What? That's five. Oh, wow, yeah. We did it, buddy.
1: We did it. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Nice job. So uh, this was going on in the States like we said, but as we uh, implied earlier, as long as these were kind of marginalized people or they were slave graveyards, no one really got their hackles up. But something happened in New York City in 1788 uh, called the Doctors' Riot of New York of 1788. <laughs> I think that's the full title. <laughs> right. And there's two ways the story goes down. One is, is way funnier uh, than the other one. Um, The the first is that these boys were playing at a hospital in New York, and they uh, saw just an arm, a white arm, hanging in the window, I guess to cure or dry or whatever, and they were disturbed and went home. That's is, this is the stupid one. It's not very good. The other version is these boys were playing near a hospital in New York, and they looked in a window, and the uh, anatomist took a white arm and waved at them <laughs> with it. <laughs> <laughs> hello. Hello, young man. <laughs> Come here. He's my favorite anatomist. For sure. And so... uh <laughs> That's the version we like to believe, and at any rate, they went home, and they told their parents, and and one of their fathers had had just recently lost his wife, and he got worried that it might be her uh, because he knew grave robbing was a thing, and he went and found that her grave had in fact been dug up and was a little angry to
0: say the a least t- <laughs> he spun in a circle of rage that managed to attract 5,000 other people in New York at the time and they started one hell of a riot uh, it went over for I think like 2-3 days Yep. 20 people died mm-hmm. and they called it an anatomy riot and the reason it was an anatomy riot is because they tried to find every dead body they could in the hospital which they found a few and they beat some doctors along the way and then afterwards they went to the uh, medical college and apparently word had gotten from the hospital to the medical college ixnay on the Adis bay <laughs> <laughs> and they got rid of all of them, right? and um, so when they went and stormed the medical college they didn't find anything and they're like, well, our rage is, is not satiated and what like a little known footnote to this whole thing when they got to the medical college alexander hamilton was standing there <laughs> For and real? they they all said alexander hamilton what are you doing here he said peace brothers peace sisters uh, go back home and they push his face out of the way and storm the building yeah, pretty much but again they didn't find anything so they found out that all the doctors and all the students were hiding out at the jail and they're like no jail can hold us we're 5,000 strong there's a guy circulating in the middle just filled with rage keeping <laughs> us going we're eating stuff from time to time to keep our energy up
1: it was a bad scene they were literally shouting bring out your doctors on mass." In New York City in 1788, bring out your doctors so we can kill them. This was the tone of the time, and this was not an isolated incident. There were like dozens of anatomy riots all over the United States back then. It's really very disturbing. It was time. kind of a thing, and you guys did it too, but like we really did it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, we know how to ride, like write.
1: Texas style or something <laughs> like that. Uh, all right, so because all this was going on, um, it became pretty clear that people should take action. Um, on their own if you're going to bury a family member maybe you should take some steps to ensure that you uh, they would be laid to rest for eternity right very precautions it, yeah it was a very inventive time it was the Georgian period and I don't know why I said it like that you really have to the Georgian period right now drink some tea I don't have any tea so uh drink it, some gin <laughs> I don't have any gin you lie I just covered my tooth when I smiled. <laughs> That's your new thing. It'd be funny Ooh. if you got your
0: finger like stuck in there. So. It's happened.
1: No. Uh, no, but my daughter had her finger stuck no. in there. No. No, I'm just kidding. Ah. So uh, this was a very inventive time, so they thought, let's come up with some ways to ensure this doesn't happen. Let's start kind of basically by just staggering sticks and things. As we pile the dirt on the casket.
0: Because, again, they're they're using wooden shovels. Yeah, let's
1: just make it harder to dig up the body, basically. Which is
0: pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Sure. Um, Another one was the Mort Stone, which was invented by a guy named Mort Stone. (laughs) And it was just basically like putting a huge rock on a grave. And they're like, well, they'll never get into that grave. And they hadn't thought it through because all you have to do is dig around the stone (laughs) and downward at an angle, and you get to the grave.
1: That's that. Not too bad. They actually still use more stones every now and then today, uh, just a few years ago in two thousand thirteen. Uh, on Treadworth Road Cemetery where? in Whoa. That's right. <laughs> we needed music for that one. Yeah, we did. Now, where was I I still Porno don't know music too, weirdly. That was
0: a weird ringtone,
1: dude. <laughs> <laughs> I I still don't know how to pronounce this. You do, too. You do, too.
0: Gluster? Gluster! Gluster, is that right? So we did our first show in Manchester, which apparently you're supposed to say, Mer. Because we said, "Gloucester." No, I said it. You're being kind. And, like, this audience had been going like this all night. (laughs) suddenly we're pointing and laughing like they were townspeople in springfield on the simpsons and somebody had just pantsed us it was like that the biggest reaction anyone has ever gotten from a crowd in manchester we got and it was at our expense pointing and laughing because we said gloucester which is just so funny
1: and they went to scotland and they said it's close came up but they didn't point and laugh when they did it. <laughs> so Treadworth Road Cemetery and cluster one uh, Miss Betty uh, Brazil and Henry Brazil were buried together and apparently the word had gotten around that they were they were buried with a lot of valuables so um, someone tried to dig them up because uh, the jewels down there and I don't think they actually got finished at night so the sun started to rise and they put a recycling bin over the hole. And said, we're going to come back later tonight. And that worked for a little while, but I don't think they got the body right. No, they worked for like 10 minutes until the sun came fully up. Right.
0: And someone saw the (laughs) recycling bin and said, someone just tried to rob this grave. In 2013.
1: Yeah. Still going on. Yep. Uh, So the next thing they invented was called the Mort House, uh, invented by a guy named? No, wrong. It was Mort Stone again. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, this was basically just a mausoleum that you could not break into. It was heavy stone and uh, it was a place where you put your body uh, where it was temporarily interred until it could find its final resting place.
0: All right, For like three weeks. Yeah. Because that was the rule of thumb was it took about three weeks for a body to become unusable by an anatomist and therefore it was out of danger of being stolen by a grave robber. And if you had a mort house, most people said mm, impenetrable maybe. I'm going to guard it And be armed while I do So a lot of people stood watch in cemeteries at this time And as a result, cemeteries were places where there were a lot of shootouts (laughs) Between families standing watch and protecting graves And grave robbers, who were so brazen that they wouldn't run They'd shoot back (laughs) Be like, no, that's my body Uh, No, that's my aunt (laughs) Well, we're taking your aunt No, you're not And it would just go like that for a while Or they would get in shootouts with other families standing watch that they'd mistaken for grave robbers, which happened a surprising amount of time.
1: Yeah, graveyards, it wasn't a place to be back then at night uh, if you wanted to remain safe and alive. And it's still not. (laughs) So they had this this other thing called a set gun. It had been around since about the 15th century. And a set gun is basically, or in this case a grave gun, a gun that you don't need to man. Uh, you set it up. Or, or, woman. Oh, yeah, that's true. You, you would set it up on top of the, of the grave, and it could spin it in a circle, it's like on a tripod. And it had a triangulated trip wire, so if you're walking along with your wooden shovel and you go to steal a body, it would trip it, and then this gun would just start randomly firing in a circle.
0: And you would get, and I quote the article we're working from, a grave robber who tripped the wire would get an ass full of musket ball. Yeah. <laughs> that's
1: what it said. <laughs> An arseful, excuse me. This is from the guy who capitalized the golden age of grave robbery. Uh, another version of that was um, a shotgun inside the casket. So they would pry it open and look inside and literally get shotgunned in the face.
0: And the best, if you were like a family who knew what they were doing, you'd put the shotgun in the in the corpse. <laughs> <laughs> Which be... That's not what you want to see when you get shot in the face with a shotgun. <laughs> yeah, that's your last thing Believe we me, see. we're from America.
1: <laughs> and then... Uh, what does that mean? We got shotguns all over the place. Oh, right. Uh, another little enterprising idea was called the uh, torpedo... The grave torpedo. And the grave torpedo and our same friend who said... No, it's pronounced bara, Barra. Pointed this out to me after the show. He came up to me after the show and said... Let me correct you guys on a few things, which I love. Again, he grabbed Chuck's beard, and uh, I just thought it was funny. It's called a grave torpedo because what it is is a landmine. You would just go walking toward the grave, and you're, you would be exploded. And he, which, it makes you feel like bad for a second, and then you're like, "Oh wait, this is against grave robbers." Yeah, so that's exactly. Fine. But he pointed out that the early uh, torpedoes were really just mines, and it just kind of got morphed eventually to be something that you would shoot out of a submarine so now it's a colloquialism
0: It's a grave torpedo coming soon so one of the things that somebody was inevitably going to hit on was yeah it's all fine and good breaking into a grave having to dig past sticks maybe around a mort stone I could possibly get a shotgun blast to the face from a shotgun being held by a corpse that I'm trying to steal I'm getting shot at by the family members it's an honest day's work but is it worth it so like I say, it's inevitable that somebody was eventually going to be like why don't I just murder somebody and sell their body I don't have to deal with any of that other stuff, I just have to kill them I'm robbing graves already, it's not a huge step to just go ahead and murder somebody and there were two guys in particular who were really famous for this kind of thing for hitting upon this idea and they were named William Burke and William Hare or the two Bills as we call them Someone just wooed in the back. Yeah, you're not supposed to woo those guys. <laughs> you could maybe woo the Simon Pegg film, but we didn't
1: reference that. <laughs> so Burke and Hare, they were born in Ulster, and uh, they immigrated to Edinburgh to work on the Union Canal, and they met each other there and said, hey, are you a, a disgusting creep? I am too. I could tell.
0: I could tell in your eyes. Let's pinky, just be pinky swear buddies. Nice. And they stabbed each other in the back as they pinky <laughs> swore, so. forever. And uh,
1: I think which one ran the boarding house?
0: Uh, Hare owned the boarding house. Burke was a
1: cobbler sometimes that rented right. space there. That's right. So Hare, uh, he was he's working at the boarding house, and he said, "I've got this guy living there named Old Donald. He died." Which it was, happens to guys named Old Donald yeah. eventually. <laughs> it was a weird nickname when he was four years old. <laughs>
0: But, but now look at he's, he's so wrinkly.
1: <laughs> now he's living up to it. Old Donald died owing four pounds in back rent. He said, "All right, here's what we'll do. I know a good uh, body can fetch some money these days. Let's find some other creep who's a doctor that we can sell it to." And they found a surgeon named Doctor Robert Knox, who uh, I don't know. You've seen a picture of this guy, right? Have you guys ever heard of this guy? Dr. Robert Knox? He is, I think, the
0: um, the archetype for the mad scientist, the creepy mad scientist. Like, there's one very famous, like, wood engraving of him. He's wearing, like, black leather gloves up to his elbow and those creepy sunglasses from the 19th century. And it's like, what are you wearing those for, Doc? What are you hiding? And he was hiding plenty, believe me, right? So if you look at a picture of this guy, you're like, that's where that came from. And this guy was a real living guy who gained a reputation for being a ghoul eventually. And he was the man who was like, boys, I'll give you seven shillings. No, seven pounds, ten shillings for old Donald and keep them coming. I don't care where they come from. Just keep them coming. You see these sunglasses? I don't care where you get them. <laughs> I just need more bodies. And uh, Burke and Harry were like, that's great. We'll just go back to the boarding house and wait for somebody else to die. So just sat around for about like 5-6 minutes and they're like, oh, oh, 6A, 6A is very sick maybe we should just hasten 6A's death 6A is the place where the person dying yeah. was, was living and so they went in and it's and right said, next to 6B Right. Uh-huh. but on the other side no, no, this just starts there at 6A um, <laughs> so they went in and said 6A good to see you, here's some gin um, just close your eyes while we do something real quick, okay? And one of them, I don't know who did what
1: Well, alright, let's say we're Birkin here Okay I would be the one to lay on the body To make sure it doesn't move So I would just climb, I would lumber up on the body And just do this
0: Show him him the tooth (laughs) Yeah (laughs) That is not what you want to see as you expire That's the last thing you would see (laughs) And wink knowingly You're about to die (laughs) And then I would come in (laughs) And my job would be to close the nostril and the mouth Maybe say something reassuring like You sleep now (laughs) You sleep forever Get a little drool going Uh, You sleep forever And then that's how these people would die Which is a terrible, terrible way to go And they became so prolific and well known for this eventually That this process of murdering people And actually murdering people for their body to sell it for dissection became known as burking it's not what you
1: want named after you a method of murder no if if your last name becomes a verb for murder for anything unless it's really great
0: well yeah sure there's plenty of great things name one Uh, like (laughs) somebody coming up to you on the street and giving you like a bunch of free candy
1: candying
0: sure well clarking That guy just clarked me. (laughs) Oh, I love it when I get clarked
1: down the street. You realize you have to do that to make that happen. I'm going to now. Good. (laughs) You have a new life mission. To make your last name a verb. I need to get my hands on some candy. You do. (laughs) What do you call candy here?
0: Sweet. Oh, oh. That's why that joke didn't go over quite as well. (laughs) Now I understand. (laughs) That guy just clarked me.
1: He gave me some sweets Fries are chips Chips are crisps Candy is sweets Pudding is all dessert Right?
0: And pork pies, by the way Are the greatest thing you people have ever invented <laughs> You had some last night, right? Oh yeah. I, I can't get enough Somebody clark me with some pork pies Please I'm dead serious What's We'll up? wait We'll wait while you go to the
1: store What's up with the pork pie hat? Is it shaped like a pork pie? No? I, I guess G- Roughly Maybe Like the pork
0: pie It was, it was round But then it folded in on the edges And I think a pork pie hat does that So that might be it Who cares? To- you can't eat a pork pie hat But <laughs> well, that's what
1: you think No, oh, I've tried <laughs> I'm going to go to Haberdasher tomorrow I'm going to inspect this firsthand. All right. There was another Monty Python reference. Haberdasher? Really? No. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: I, I th- thought you would know where I was going with it, and they would uh, I have no idea. Yeah. I just got lost. Where are we? All right, so they're burking people left and right. They killed uh, about 15 people, at least in Edinburgh, over a 10-month period. And they got their girlfriends involved. They each found some nice ladies. They said, are you, <laughs> are you creepy? because we are and Burke hooked up with Helen and Hare hooked up with Margaret and uh, they started including him in, in their little game of death and they said here's what we'll do we'll just go out to a bar and we'll find some old woman who loves gin loves gin and uh, we'll just say you know have another drink have another drink and you know what you know where we have lots of gin is at my boarding house so just come back with me late at night and they would ply these old ladies and old men with booze Bring it back to the boarding house. I would lay on them. Yeah, I would, I would come in. She's sleeping. And it was, a, it was a cottage industry, and things were going along swimmingly for a while until uh, they got a little greedy as things go when there's money involved. And they started to... Well, money and murder. Yeah, money and murder. I've seen the movie Shallow Grave. That's a bad combination. <laughs> I know how that goes. So uh, you guys haven't seen the movie Shallow Grave, or have you? No? Oh, you should see it. It's good. There are British people in it. so they started burking people who were actually a little well known in town and edinburgh wasn't the biggest city at the time so people kind of knew one another and they got in real trouble when they finally picked off this dude uh, named jamie who everybody knew in the town and it was bad news
0: well they didn't call him jamie they called him daft jamie And today you would call him savant with autism, Jamie. But they weren't quite as sensitive as we are today, so they called him daft Jamie. Yes, we've
1: advanced since then.
0: And Jamie was actually he was this very beloved figure in the town. Um, He would just kind of hang out in, in the downtown old town. And people would say, hey, Jamie, here's a bunch of matches I just threw onto the ground. Can you count them real quick? And he would calculate it, and they would say, that's amazing. Here's a pork pie, buddy. And he'd say, thanks a lot. But he he wasn't a beggar or anything like that. He just kind of hung out downtown. It was a a, a fixture in town. His mother and his sister cared for him very well, and he was just beloved. So he ended up on Dr. Knox's table, and he was very recognizable, so much so that a colleague of Dr. Knox is like, that's deaf Jamie. I didn't know he was sick. And Dr. Knox is like, first of all, it's savant with autism, Jamie. (laughs) Secondly, no, it's not. And he started cutting the head off. Right then. Seriously. And like threw it out. And they're like, no, it is. Deaf Jamie has a club foot. And Dr. Knox started cutting <laughs> off the club foot. And then he said, okay, let's begin a great new year. And started cutting open ja- Deaf Jamie. Um, and... That was not the only one. There were several other people that were recognized on the table. So Dr. Knox kind of fell under suspicion. But it wasn't that 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 ultimately led to their undoing. They just grew more and more careless over time and more and more suspicious of one another. So much so that um, it was Burke and Helen, right? Yeah. Burke and Helen said, Hare and Margaret, we think you're killing people without cutting us in. So I'm going to go open my own boarding house so we can kill in peace.
1: Burke's house of murder. Right. Is what they called it
0: And then they were like oh it's terrible And they crossed out murder and wrote fun underneath
1: <laughs> And they started attracting boarders after that So Burke's House of Murder and Fun Is going on In Tea and Biscuits And uh, they're drawing in people And uh, they're killing people on their own As a duo And uh, they're not very good at keeping things quiet and They're good
0: at the killing part It's the covering up afterward part They suck at.
1: At one point they had a body in the boarding house that they just covered up with straw and hay, and one of the other boarders was just kind of cruising through the house. And they said, I've noticed that that big pile of hay has an arm coming out of it. <laughs> it's a little weird. And I'm going to go call the cops. And they said, no, don't do that. Here's what we'll do, and here's what we're doing. Let's give you a little dough. We're selling these bodies. It's for medicine, and we'll, we'll cut you in on this deal As long as you promise to not go to the police And the lady backed slowly out of the room And said sure that sounds great Just write a check And leave it under my door And I'll be back soon I have to go mail something Because stamps.com wasn't invented yet That's right (laughs) So she went right to the cops And the Lord Advocate We we each get $15 for that (laughs) I wish So the Lord Advocate in charge of uh, Hare's case said, you know what, I'm going to give you immunity. Here's a big offer. If you will turn King's Witness against your pal Burke. And uh, Hare quickly accepted, and I don't think the words were out of his mouth. He said, sure, I'm on board. Uh, I will testify against him. And that's what he did. And to this day, of the four, including the girlfriends, only one was actually tried and uh, hanged. Hanged. Just Burke. Yep.
0: And he was a very hated figure, as you can imagine. I think 20,000 people showed up for his hanging. His hanging. And. <laughs> no, just hanging. And um, when he was hanged, uh, afterward, they gave his body to the University of Edinburgh for a dissection. Yeah. Cruel irony. And 40,000 people turned out to see his
1: dissected body, actually. Yeah, and they just lifted the organs out, showed everyone. <laughs> yeah. So here, uh, after a few years, uh, he kind of tried to disappear, as you do when you're a creepy ghoul. And um, he went to work at a lime quarry, and the dudes that he worked with found out who he was, and kind of a mob justice took over, and they shoved him into the lime quarry. And he was blinded for the rest of his life,
0: and we don't we don't know if he was like blinded from the lime. Or they threw him into the core and he, like, landed on his eyes on sharp rocks. (laughs) But either way, he was blinded.
1: he was blinded by the line.
0: You don't know. (laughs) And then uh,
1: he actually eventually moved to the streets of London, which is what you do when you're blinded for life. When you're trying to reinvent yourself. And uh, (laughs) Dr. Knox as well, even. He was ruined in Scotland. And he moved to the streets of London to try and pick up his medical profession, which he did with pretty uh, poor results.
0: (laughs) Right. But he did write a very well-received book on fishing. It's not a joke. I know. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's hilarious, but it's not a joke.
1: All right, so people are being killed, people are digging up bodies, there's anatomy murder. Years before Birkenhair, Hare. I think like a decade before, there was a guy named Thomas Wakefield who was uh, a surgeon and the publisher of The Lancet, a great medical journal that we use. It's still around today. For coming for us. So uh, he was the publisher of The Lancet. And he said, this anatomy murder is going on. This is like in 1820. And he said, everyone should be afraid because there are dudes out there that will kill you just to sell your body. Uh, And so be be very afraid. And there were a lot
0: of uh, surgeons too who were fairly liberal-minded, who were saying, we need better laws than what we have now. We need more bodies, because people are robbing graves, people are murdering for these bodies. There's this huge demand that's being fulfilled in terribly illicit ways. We have to get better laws. But the problem is, these surgeons, as prominent as they were, were in this weird position where they looked like ghouls, like, can we have some more bodies, please? Please just deliver them fresh to our door. So anytime they were challenged, they would back off very quickly because they all had stolen bodies back in their, in their labs, right? So the status quo remained the same until Burke and Hare came out. And you guys actually, you should be very proud, you had your own group of burkers here in London. They were known as the London Burker Trio. They killed a bunch of people. Uh, what came to be called the anatomy murder, or burking. Um, and the one that undid them was they killed a 14-year-old boy who'd recently emigrated from Italy, and they delivered him to, I think, Guy's Hospital. Yeah. And the porter at Guy's Hospital said, hmm, that's pretty weird. We don't usually get warm dead bodies delivered to us. It seems a little sloppy. Maybe I should follow up. So he, he took the boy to one of the anatomists and said, what do you think about this? And the anatomist said, well, I think this boy's neck was broken about 45 minutes ago. It's probably murder. So luckily the porter knew who had delivered the body. And the cops found the guys. They were hanged themselves and between the Berker trio and Birkenhair and Hare before them the, the public 's eyes were finally totally open to this. There was no avoiding this any longer like people were being murdered to supply bodies for anatomists and they didn 't know who to blame like there were some anatomists who were convicted of uh, dissecting cadavers, but for the most part, people I think got that maybe the law is a little weird right now you know maybe we have this weird prohibition that we should rethink parliament sort this out and parliament
1: did actually exactly who do you turn to so the house of (laughs) Commons uh, gets involved they get things done and they uh hold hearings and uh they said here's what we'll do let's get some of these uh resurrectionists and they'll trot them up uh let's give them immunity and say you can if you testify get away scot-free and they're
0: like oh you mean immunity
1: what did I say? you said immunity. Oh, okay. And uh, they trotted them out, and they told these, told these sordid tales of digging up bodies, and it was very salacious in the yeah. news. Yeah, and everybody was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> public was very interested. Mm-hmm. And they, Tell us more. <laughs> and then they got surgeons, and they said, well, let's hear from you, and they talked about the need for cadavers, and it was kind of a big deal because, you know, everyone wants to live longer, and in order to do that, we need to cut people open still. So it's like a double-edged sword it totally was yeah. so finally parliament said alright here's what we'll do we're going to take action just picture me in a powdered wig and and it'll all make sense it's, which is hilarious by the way <laughs> every every couple
0: of months Chuck will just walk into the studio <laughs> wearing a powdered wig and I'm like it's powdered wig
1: day <laughs> so parliament says here's what we're going to do we're going to provide some legitimate bodies by passing the anatomy act of 1832 it's a very big deal yep
0: yeah. Because right out of the gate On
1: paper at least It got rid of the black
0: market on cadavers Because it said Anyone who has legal possession of a dead body um, And the, the body is dead uh, The body never said while they were living That they didn't want to be dissected And no spouse or family member is saying You can't cut open that dead body You could take that body down to your local anatomist And say, here you go Just roll them up the steps Walk away And they'll cut them open for you, right? And this was really radical. It really flew in the face of of the sentiment at the time. Because again, remember, the Murder Acts of 1751 said, not only are we going to hang you for being a murderer, we're going to dissect you afterward. That's how disgusting we think you are. And that really took... Uh, kind of an unspoken social stigma and codified it. And this went a long way to undoing the damage that the Murder Act had done as far as the public view of dissection. The problem is, is if you were wealthy or middle class at the time, you weren't exactly running out and saying like, yes, dissect me, dissect me. And the, the whole problem with, with the idea of being dissected is that at the time, you thought that when Judgment Day came, And you were in your grave and God stood you up and you're just standing there like, what do you think, huh? Well, it wasn't so bad, right? (laughs) That's
1: not how it works.
0: God would look you up and down and be like, you look all right, you can come in. But if you saw that you were missing your eyes, maybe your guts... Or you were just an articulated skeleton, like, you look terrible, lay back down. And that was the sentiment behind not being dissected at the time. So the, the Anatomy Act kind of governmentalized this idea that, no, dissection's actually okay. Forget your religious beliefs. <laughs> just listen to us, Parliament. And it actually kind of worked. But at the same time, What it really did and what it was criticized for was that it put the burden of supplying cadavers to science onto the poor, which is kind of already the process, but in this sense it really kind of codified the whole thing.
1: Yeah, but like you said, it did make a difference. I think between uh, 1832 and 1932, more than 57,000 cadavers were legitimately donated to medical science in the United Kingdom alone. So it really made a big impact and science was advancing and medicine was advancing. So it wasn't to uh, the close of the 19th century that dissection really came to be accepted by the public. Right. And people started to say, you know what, this is actually a good thing. Donating organs, donating bodies is, is something that we should kind of try and embrace a little bit more. Right. Uh, and to this day, sadly, it still kind of goes on in a weird way, right? It does. So like if you go
0: into an anatomy lab or a medical school in the United States and you come across an articulated skeleton, those skeletons are mostly made up of individual bones that were stolen from robbed graves in India, which means the U.S.
1: outsourced grave robbing. Yeah, and is currently outsourcing grave robbing. So uh, to finish up the show tonight, uh, we, in True Stuff You Should Know fashion, are going to do a top five robbed graves that only has four. (laughs) I don't know why we do that. One of them doesn't even count. Well, that's true. Uh, but we're going to start with uh, a dude named Charlie Chaplin. Very famous actor. Born he here in it. London, allegedly. That's right. Do you guys know that? I think they did. That's good. <laughs> uh, born in London, died on Christmas Day. Very sad. It is, because he loved Christmas. <laughs> he did. He died in 1977, and just a few months later, in March of 1978, Charlie Chaplin's grave was robbed. Stole his body, called his wife, Lady Una Chaplin, and said, "I want four hundred thousand pounds for Charlie's body." And she said, "Nope." <laughs> Charlie would have thought this rather ridiculous. Was her quote? And they went, "Oh." They went, uh, "Never thought of that."
0: Uh, no, don't hang up. Hang up. I'm thinking this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, we have Charlie Chaplin's body now. Let me call you back. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. So there were multiple, like, sting operations that the cops would try to set up to try and catch these dudes. Never worked out. They never showed up. They kind of chickened out. And eventually they realized that there was one phone call that they were supposed to make to the police. So they tapped the phone of uh, Lady Una Chaplin and um, staked out 200 phone booths in the area. And they actually caught the guys red-handed.
0: Yep, they did. A couple of auto mechanics. One, One of them had the
1: best name I may have ever heard. Yeah, there were two guys... Uh, Roman Wardus and Gancho Ganev. I want a horse named
0: Gancho Ganev <laughs> one day. Somebody Clark me a horse named Gancho Ganev. <laughs> Clark you a horse? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I love that term now. I do too. I'm making it happen, baby. Why do you want a horse? Well, I, I love horses, oh, but true. a horse named Gancho Ganev, All right. it just fits like. Gancho have the horse. I love it. What's your horse's name? Gancho Ganeb. Of course. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he was Clark to me, in fact. <laughs> so uh, eventually they did catch these guys, and they led him to Chaplin's remains, which were about ten miles uh, from the original graveyard. And then they reburied Charlie Chaplin. And you'll see a thread here. When you rebury a body after it's been stolen, you tend to cover it with, like, seven or eight feet of cement on top.
0: Pretty sensible. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one... I personally don't think this one counts, but we've included it anyway. Abraham Lincoln. Have you guys ever heard of President Abraham Lincoln from where we live? He, uh, again, he was a president from where we live. <laughs> anyway, Abe Lincoln died, and uh, something like 11, I think 11 years later, yeah. some robbers attempted to break into his grave. And the robbers had a rat in their midst. And the rat had told the cops that this was going to happen. So the cops staked out the graveyard waiting for the robbers. And apparently the cops were the Keystone Cops. Because one of their guns went off and alerted the robbers that they were there. And the robbers turned and ran. And the Keystone Cops like ran into each other and <laughs> fell down. And it was weird. But it happened. And um, they didn't actually steal Lincoln's body. Which is why I'm like he shouldn't be on this list
1: yeah what's sad is I actually made this list <laughs> I didn't think it through clearly well they got away for a little while and uh, after the robbery his remains were reburied in the same mausoleum but in the basement of the mausoleum which actually... which
0: which do you know how rich you have to be for your mausoleum yeah. to have its own basement <laughs> it's like six rooms do you guys have basements here okay alright well fine you
1: can imagine it. <laughs> pretty rich Wait, what do you call a basement here? A barsment. A basement? A barsment. Do you call it a bars-
0: uh, A basement? Cellar, Cellar. Ah. okay. Actually, in New England, that's what they call it too. That's where we live. Well, it's north of where we live.
1: But in America, <laughs> south of New England. What are you talking about? I don't know anymore. <laughs> So they reburied him in the basement and then eventually in uh, 1901 his son Robert Todd Lincoln said, you know what, uh, let's take him up from down there and let's rebury him proper and put uh, the steel cage over him. And? Bolt that to the floor. And he's safe?
0: No, and they poured cement over
1: him. Oh yeah, which is what you do. as customary. And he's safe? So. <laughs> what do you want to hear? I wasn't quite sure. So uh, Gladys Hammond, uh, a lady, and this is... Recently, you might have heard of this one. This is in 2004. Um, she was uh, dug up and held for ransom, but not for money, but to get the family to stop experimenting on guinea pigs. They were raising guinea pigs and selling them to medical science, and these animal rights activists stole her body and held, basically, held her for ransom for this family to stop the family biz. And it worked. Well, it worked, sort of. No, well, it did
0: work. The family, um, the the group of activists were called the Save the New Church Guinea Pigs, who you may have heard of. And uh, have you guys heard of them? No, you haven't? They just thought it was funny. (laughs) It's a cute name, but they were dead serious, you know? So they they stole the body, held it for ransom, and the family said, okay, fine, we'll get out of the business. We're not going to breed guinea pigs for medical research anymore. We'll breed them to be dressed up like cowboys for children's parties <laughs> surely you have no problem with that the original purpose for guinea pigs so, so they actually did get out of the business and the people who robbed the grave and stole the, the woman's body the family member's body w- didn't give it back they just never got back in touch they were like we moved on to Wales now we don't care about <laughs> guinea pigs anymore <laughs> so it took 18 months before they finally caught these people and said where's the body and they're like oh she's in some Heathland and that's it. What's a heathland? Country? No, no, heathland. Uh, is it a moor? Yes, it's a moor. What's a moor? <laughs> I, think, I think there's quicksand on the moors, isn't there? Boggy area? No? A field? Is it a field?
1: Why did we feel the need to rename everything? Those I think, are great I words. Think we
0: renamed it. These guys were here first.
1: No, that's what I'm saying.
0: Oh, we yeah. Well, yeah no, those we are
1: wonderful words Heathland is beautiful We don't know what it is, but it sounds great <laughs> Stupid Americans uh, So <laughs> we're going to finish up the list With uh, Josephine And by the way, we, we have a microphone right there After this, we're going to have about uh, 10 or 15 minutes left To do a little Q&A If anyone has any questions, you can do so If you don't, you can leave If Carol you have Pence. to pee, you can leave It okay. won't hurt our feelings, we understand We both have to pee right now too <laughs> Speak for yourself uh, I have to pee, totally. Right. <laughs> uh, and we're going to finish up with Joseph Haydn, Franz Joseph Haydn, very famous uh, Austrian classical composer. And uh, he died, this is during the phrenology movement. We've talked a little bit about phrenology on the show. This is when you thought that you could look at a human skull and really tell a lot about the person and about where the smarts were and uh, where the genius was, perhaps. So it was a big deal to get your hands... On the skull of someone like Haydn, right. So they went to uh, the gravedigger and they said, we'll give you some money if you cut off his head and give it to us. And the gravedigger said, you have me at money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, so he did so and he gave them the head and they macerated the, the skull, which means you make the rest of the head disappear through magic until you're just left with a skull. <laughs> what? It's maceration. Oh, okay. It's not magic, though. Oh, okay. Pretty much just soak it in a liquid. It's really gross. I gotcha. Eventually, everything goes away but the skull, which is what you want. And the dudes, uh, Joseph, Rosenbaum, and Johann Peter, looked at the skull and said, Oh my gosh, Will you look at this. Look at the musical bump on that skull. <laughs> and it's- The other one was like, Wait, wait, wait.
0: Did you say musical bump? You made that up just now, didn't you? <laughs> I was like, Yeah, totally, but it's going to
1: stick, I, I think. It's probably just a deformity. Musical bump. It's Haydn, of course. He has a musical bump. So uh, they had this skull, and they weren't too shy about keeping it quiet. They one of them even for a little while kept it in his home. They would have dinner parties, and it was Haydn's skull. And he kept it in a glass case with like uh, musical notes and compositions, and like an ink and pill and ink and pill quill, quill. and pen and uh it was prominently displayed and then the cops eventually found out about this
0: well somebody went to go rebury Haydn. yeah because
1: he he wanted to be moved to the family flat right
0: yeah he died during wartime and it was kind of hastily buried and in a couple of decades later yeah they finally went to rebury him and when they did they were like
1: i didn't know Haydn didn't have a head (laughs) yeah last time i saw him So they go and they. uh, someone says, you know what, I totally knew who who has his skull because they're not too shy about it. It's over at this guy's house, over at Rosenbaum's. So they go over to Rosenbaum's house. This is really awful. His plan was to hide it in the mattress to get his wife to lay on the bed and tell the cops that she is menstruating. And the cops are like, blah, 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 blah,
0: blah, blah, blah.
1: And they like all just ran out of the house. Pretty much.
0: You keep your skull.
1: That's basically how it went down. And uh again we've come a long way since then. And uh the skull was eventually reunited. Well, they gave them a fake skull at the time. They right, said, here's right. the skull.
0: They they knew the jig was up, but they, they really, really
1: wanted Haydn's skull. Yeah, so they gave him a fake, they reburied that with Haydn, thinking it was Haydn's skull, and then years later, in nineteen fifty-four, in fact, not that long ago, uh well sort of a long time ago, but <laughs> not on the grand scheme of things, uh they eventually find Haydn's real skull and rebury it but they didn't know what to do with the old skull so to this day well not
0: even not only that I don't think it was that they didn't know what to do I think they took the Haydn's actual skull into his tomb set it down went to go shut the door and turned around and was like oh right (laughs) which one was which one has the musical bump which one (laughs) and then they said forget it we'll just bury both of
1: them Pretty much. So to this day, Haydn's skull is still buried, or his grave still has two skulls buried in the same grave. Yep. If you went and dug it up today. It's a very little-known fact. So uh, that is grave robbing. Yep. And that is the end of our show. Yes.